Well, good morning. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you know, the main difference between the video announcements and speaking up here is on the video announcements, you get to mess up like 17 times and just keep doing it over and over and over, and this one is live. I may do it over and over and over, though. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. You know who never messes up, though? Yeah, the Lord. It's not one of those super simple Bible Sunday school questions, but it kind of is at the same time. Jesus doesn't mess up. It's interesting how everything that has been said so far, everything that has been sung so far, every lyric, every uh, just off-the-cuff comment, everything Pastor Dan said, everything, the video, everything, because I know what I'm speaking on, I just feel like everything is just like, yep, yep, that's, that's all in the same package. Even the, I met a friend out in the hall before, and she was so excited about what the Lord was sharing with her this week, and she said like two sentences, and it was like half my message. So if I could have her come up and just do the other two sentences, we'd be out here in like a minute, get to Luby's early. But uh, it's just amazing. So God doesn't mess up. I think God is up to something. I know that God is up to something, and I know he's brought you here today. And so let's just, let's just do that. Let's just, let's just pray for a second. Let's just open up our hearts. I want you to like visualize like what that would even look like, what that would even feel like. But let's, let's open up our hearts. Let's open up our minds. Let's open up our emotions. Let's just open up. Let's move some of the, bound, the, the, the distractions and some of the boundaries that have kind of crept in. Let's just move them aside and just say, we're open to you. Speak to us. We know you love us. Uh, we're devoting this time. We value this time. We have other things we could be doing, but we value you more. So we just open ourselves. And so Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would speak to us today and ask that you would uh, resonate in our heart. Bigger than any one person could sing or talk or anything like that. I'm talking like on a, on a God level. I just ask that you would speak to us because we have come in with, with, uh, with needs. And I just ask that you would meet us today in Jesus' name. Amen. About six years ago to the day, Amber and I took our, uh, our 10th anniversary cruise. It's the only cruise we've ever taken, and we loved it. Has anybody ever gone on a cruise? I just loved it. And it's been six years, and I'm not like boycotting cruises. We just haven't got around to it. We have a lot of kids and a lot of other things going on, but we loved it. In fact, we were going to go to the Eastern Caribbean, and uh, about maybe three months after we planned it, and it's still kind of out coming up, we realized that uh, Amber, got, Amber was pregnant again with like child 17 or something. <laughs> and uh, we realized that, and the, and the cruise line said, you're not allowed to, to cruise past the first trimester. And so we were like, oh no, what do we do? We really wanted to be on this particular ship. And it's out of, out of Fort Lauderdale, and where's it gonna be? And they said, it'll be in Civitavecchia. Where is that? It's just outside of Rome. I was like, okay, how much is the difference? And we made up the difference, and it was awesome, and we cruised the Mediterranean, not for seven days, for 12 days. Do you realize after like three or four days, you like lose track of time, and then like you just live in this like, like you wake up and you're like, what am I going to do today? Well, I definitely want to have breakfast on the balcony, that I know. And then uh, looking over the rest of the calendar, that ping pong tournament at two looks good. And then I want to have dinner. And if we can sprinkle in some naps and some lunch along the way, I'm not, that's a day. That's a good day. And that's kind of how a lot of those days were. And it was amazing. And one of the things that was also amazing on that trip is I discovered Sherlock Holmes. 
Like they had this big library on the fourth floor. It's not like I haven't heard of them, but I'm looking over all these books and you just, you got all the time in the world and I just looked and looked and looked and looked and they had this big old fat volume, volume number two of Sherlock Holmes. I pulled it off the shelf and I carried that thing around with me all trip long because you'd read for like 20 minutes, that was an entire case, you would take a nap. You would get up, you would eat, you might read another 20 minutes and you'd take a nap and then you'd eat some more and then you would maybe get in the pool and it was just lovely. And I've just loved Sherlock Holmes even even to this day, I like to go to half-price bookstores and just kind of borrow the Sherlock Holmes, buy them, buy them, buy the Sherlock Holmes books. That's one of those video announcement signs. We would have cut there, put the right word in, and been okay, but you can't do that live. So I want to read a little Sherlock Holmes, and I want to, obviously the scripture is built on the word, but I want to kind of build it on a little theme in this little Sherlock Holmes story slash joke. And so it goes like this, but before I read it, before I read it, I do need to take a moment. You know, on these, on these trips, uh, I read somewhere that a trip stays with you longer than a thing does. Like you can get like a, a watch for your anniversary or you can go on a trip. And long term, studies show that the trip just keeps giving back and giving back and giving back, but the watch just gets older and goes out of style. Trips just, I mean, 10 years later, six years later, 60 years later, you're still talking about, you're still reliving. Does anybody experience that? Your trips matter. I want to take just a second, because you're going to hear more from me uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, a lot more from me. But next July, there's a trip to Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and the Lord is quite simply just opening up the gates wide open to every hospital, every jail, every school, every neighborhood, everything. The president's office has said, just come in. And they opened up to Lowly, and Lowly's invited us to be a part of this trip, that's Light of Life International. And you're going to hear more about it, but I want to tell you this. It's in my heart, and I'm going to make it happen uh, with the Lord's help. It's in my heart to take my kids and my wife on this trip. And I think it would be so much fun if you would come with us, and we could take 100-plus people on this trip. And I really, expect, I really would love it if some of you with kids would bring your kids, because I think our kids together going house to house, door to door, handing out stuffed animals, handing out food, just being the hands and feet of God like we talked about. I'm telling you, five years from now, 15 years from now, 25 years from now, it's gonna have more of an impact on your kid than the new Xbox. Amen? Or whatever is in your dream. I wanna put in a, a, an above ground pool next summer. Go on the trip with us. I know it's a cost. I know it's an effort, but come on. We're going to go. We're going to make it happen. I'm so excited about it. I'd love you to go with us. So on this cruise, find Sherlock Holmes, and I want to share with you this story, and it goes like this. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went on a camping trip. Can you imagine this, Sherlock and, and Watson? As they lay down for the night, the fire dwindling nearby, Holmes said, Watson, look up and tell me what you see. Watson said, see a fantastic panorama of countless stars. To which Holmes replied, and what does that tell you? There it is. What does that tell you? I mean, astronomically, I mean, you're talking to Holmes after all, so he's like, astronomically, it suggests to me that if there are billions of other galaxies that have roughly similar stellar population densities as represented by my view tonight, that potentially trillions of planets may be associated with such a galactic and therefore stellar population. Allowing for similar chemical distribution throughout the cosmos, it may be reasonably implied that life and possibly intelligent life 
may well fill the universe. Also, though, also, being a believer, theologically, it tells me that the vastness of space may be yet another suggestion of the greatness of God, and we are so small and comparatively insignificant. But, 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 but I'm not done. Meteorologically, meteorologically, okay, the blackness of the sky and the crispness of the stellar images tells me that there is low humidity and stable air, and therefore, Mr. Sherlock, we are most likely to enjoy a very beautiful day tomorrow. Why? What do you see? Well, Watson, you idiot, it tells me that someone has stolen our tent. The whole day is going to be like this. It's going to be unconventional. Just embrace it, all right? I'm going to hammer one point, and we're going to get it. Today's message is affectionately titled, Has Someone Stolen Your Tent? Tents by design are temporary shelters, and they're used while away from our permanent ones. Would you agree? Maybe you're away for the weekend. Maybe you're camping. Maybe you're away for weeks or months. Maybe you're a refugee or you're uh, uh, retreating from a natural disaster and you use it for a long time. But regardless, they're temporary. And they're a whole lot better than just sleeping outside, right? I have this romantic idea of sleeping outside under the stars, and then you do it. Your kids want to go camping, and then you do it. And there's no tent, and it's not romantic at all. It's oh, sticky, or it's cold, or it's buggy, or it's all these things, and it's just not, and there's a rock underneath your back, and it's just not. As believers in Jesus, we are all away from our permanent homes. We're strangers, we're aliens, we're sojourners passing through earth on our way to our permanent homes, which is, of course, heaven. Philippians 3.20 says that we are citizens of heaven. In John 17.16, Jesus says that we are not of this world, just like he was not of this world. We, like Jesus, are just in it, temporarily at that. In 1 Peter 2, Peter goes on to add that we are chosen people, called out of darkness, recipients of mercy, and now aliens and strangers in this world. So, to live any other way is to live contrary to the Bible. Amen? Okay. Our thoughts, beliefs, realities, they must all come into alignment with God's truth found in the Bible, and if they don't match up, then we must bend ourselves to the Bible, not bend the Bible to us. We gotta, we gotta read the Bible, not so that we can go through the Bible, but so the Bible can go through us, and there's a real problem in our day and age of wanting to bend the Bible to whatever the popular thought is, or the easy thought is. So imagine if you're a newborn baby, and if the newborn baby were able to speak, he might express how he believed that the hospital was his home, because after all, he's been there for three days, and it's the entirety of his entire life. This is home, and yet we would know that's not home. That's just the hospital. You're going to go where your parents live. That's home, right? Much, much, so obvious to us, but hard for the baby to grasp. We can see it the same way. We live 85 years, or maybe we will live 85 years, or 100 years, or whatever it is, and we can say, this is all I've ever known. This is home. But it's not. This isn't home. Why? Because the Bible says so. And so we have to adapt our thinking and our reality and our perspective to fit what the Bible says to be true, even though we haven't seen it yet. We haven't experienced it yet. The Bible says we're just passing through, we're strangers, we're aliens, and this place is just a rental. Our time here is limited since God has transferred our citizenship to heaven. 
So with that in mind, we've got to adjust to accommodate for this, and we always have to adjust. Every, every time we hear something of the Word, we've got to adjust. In the book of John, uh, chapter 14, 1 through 3, Jesus tells his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. It's comforting to know that he wants to be where you are. It's comforting to know that he's preparing a place for you. How many of you guys know that Jesus is preparing a place for you? Amen? Okay. But how many of you also know that God has also prepared places for you here on earth, this side of heaven? Yes, 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 but, but a little more cautious yes. Let's think this one out, all right? Uh, I'm gonna prepare a place right now with Brent's help. So my phone is about dead, and so lucky for me, Brent is preparing a place for me so that I can solve this need, because it's a very real need. And uh, so I see the need, I see, the, I see this provision over there, because my phone needs a charger. Thank you, Brent. And uh, I, I can see it, and uh, I know I need it, but if I'm going to actually benefit from it, I've, I've got to not just stare at these steps, but I've got to step up these stairs. My grandpa said that. He gave me a bunch of books, and he circled that in one of his old preaching books. He says, you can't just stare at the steps. You've got to step up the stairs. And so I've got to step up the stairs, and now I'm near it. Ooh, I'm near this place that Brent has created for me, for my benefit, and I'm near it, but still not changing. It's not, not changing yet until, obviously, making this really simple, you come right on over, and you get in the place that's been prepared for me, and you plug in. And when you do that, now I'm benefiting, right? Okay, I'm making this overly simple, really simple concept, but I wouldn't share it if I didn't think it was a problem. So you, are you in? Can we keep going deeper here? I can call my friend and she can do the other two sentences and we're out of here. Are you guys with me? All right. Thank you. All right. So I'll tell you something obvious. Uh, I could have stayed outside it. I could have gotten near it. You know, all that stuff, but, but it didn't really work until I got near it. Watson, you idiot. Someone has stolen our tent. I just want to say that I think way too many, get the adjectives here, way too many fine God-fearing, good-hearted, saved Christians are not actually getting into the provision, into the protect, protection, into the blessing, into the benefits, uh, into the tents that Christ Jesus, Father God, the Holy Spirit has been and already prepared for us this side of heaven. And I think that's a real shame. So Bethesda, let me ask you, has someone stolen your tent? It's still hard to tell, Josh, because I'm not really exactly sure where you're going. So let me go a little, little further. Let me give you a, uh, a real-life example, okay? Many of you know that f a month ago, our five-year-old Adeline, we call her Addie Bug, was bit by a dog. Pretty scary moment for us. Uh, I was out with my son running an errand, and then Amber calls, or Grandma calls, and says, you got to come. We're going to the ER. Meet us at the ER. And basically, from Amber's perspective, she hears a crying child come to the top of the stairs. She looks up. She sees a white, ghost white face, and all of a sudden, just 
just blood. I'm not going to go and show you pictures, but it was just, it was a mess. And I mean, immediately the mom instinct just kicks in. She grabs everybody up and gets everybody to the car and off they're going to the ER. That whole day, like we went to this little uh, smaller clinic and they kept us for a little, maybe an hour and a half or so. And then, uh, and they couldn't do a, a whole lot. And so they had to send us on to the ER uh, at Cook's Children and they did wonderful. But that whole day, we're just focused on this physical need. This, we're just stopping the bleeding. We're stopping the crying. We're trying to distract so the doctors can do what they're doing. And they're just working, 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 working. And, uh, and it, was, it was, I don't even know, I don't even, like people ask me like how many stitches and it's just hard to tell because like when Atticus got his stitches here or here and his staples here and his, he didn't get any stitches on either the feet he broke or the fingers, he did get stitches on the finger. But when Atticus got stitches, it was always easy. You have one of those kids that seems to <laughs> collect most of the ER visits. We, <laughs> we have one. Atticus, stand up. You're proud of it. Go ahead and stand up. This is Atticus. <laughs> So the whole day, we are like focused on taking care of this, this need, this physical need, and it was like all hands on deck, and like we were doing our best, and we got everything done, we checked out of the hospital, we came home, we got everybody in bed, and then Amber and I are just so tired, and we laid down, and we really thought that we were just going to slip into sleep, and we were going to be great. It didn't happen. Like right about that time, the emotional weight of it hit. Oh my goodness, what could we have done? What should we have done? Oh, no. Did we do everything right? I mean, what's, going to, what's this going to be like? Is she going to be scarred forever? What's she going to look like at 13? What's she going to look like on her wedding day? All these things are just bombarding us. And I'm telling you, there were some tears shed, some moments that were tough. We, I mean, we bonded together. That's what a wife and a husband are to do, and we support each other. But I remember just like, just in the, that was probably about a two hour period. And we prayed, and but let me tell you, even though, even though that was a little surprising to me, I can honestly tell you that we sensed God's peace through the whole thing. And I had lots of people, like, even like the next day when I'd share, like, hey, where, where were you at? Well, we did this. <gasps> Just the look on their face and stuff. And then, like, a couple of people actually said, well, are you still, are you still, wor- are, you, are you like going crazy? Are you still worried? Are you fearful? And I'm like, honestly, like, the Lord has really been faithful, and just the time we needed it, the peace came, and we received it. And it's just, that's been our experience. And even now, a month later, I mean, there's still stuff that we're trying to figure out, but the Lord has walked with us every single step of the way. In fact, uh, even unexpected ways, like we were not just worried about physical and then emotional, and then, you know, when she's 19 or 13 or 27, we're not, we were also worried about what about, like, is she going to be tra- traumatized, or what about all these, I mean, all these levels, because they come in in lots of different waves and lots of different levels. At every level, the Lord has come in and, re- and injected peace in every single spot, infused grace in every single spot, and that's one of the consequences that comes from knowing the Lord. And we stepped into it, though. Like, we didn't just kind of stay around it. We just didn't know about it and, like, hope that would be the case. We, like, stepped in and plugged in. And we just, and it was just, it was crazy not to, but we did it. And even in some areas that we weren't expecting, like, I was thinking, you know, we're not getting a dog for, like, six months. We've got to let all this chill. I mean, out of nowhere, a very good friend of ours, Amy, uh, long story short, provided just, they had reasons to, to, to need to get to give their dog away and we we received her and she's the sweetest most perfect dog the day we we took our other dog back 
Adeline forgave it. I forgive you, Charlie. And then the day they were, they, that same day later on, they were driving out in the van, and the van stopped. And I was outside, and Bennett was outside with Charlie, and the van stopped, and the door opened, and she got out and came over and hugged the dog one more time. We were worried about trauma, and God's already infusing grace. And I'm not saying that trauma can't happen. I'm just saying, if it wasn't for the Lord, I don't know how to manufacture that. Like, it's just been perfect. And then, here's a picture of our first day of school. So you can throw that up there. This happens. Ava, this golden retriever, she's so sweet. She's so nice. I mean, like, I walked out the front door last night and said, Ava, And then she's there. I was like, this is the first dog that's ever listened to a thing we've ever said. This is amazing. It's just been great. She's so gentle. Anyway, it's just been fun to see the Lord just moving and moving in all these different directions. But do you remember how a couple weeks ago Pastor Dan was sharing that there was that couple in the honeymoon? And they, they entered in. Remember the room they went into and they were, they was, this room was provided for them by their parents. They were, and yet they got in there. It was just a table and a, a lamp and a chair and a little fold-out couch. And they spent the whole first night of their marriage on this little fold-out couch. And they're checking out. Did you like the room? Did you like the room? And they're like, well, it's kind of, I mean, it was, it was okay. I mean, the fold-out couch was kind of, you know. But yeah, I mean, we made the best of it. We're not complainers. Fold-out couch, what are you talking? And then Pastor Dan tells us, no, no, no. The door, the, the door opened up and there was a, the honeymoon suite. You were in the receiving room, the honeymoon suite, and, and the king-size bed and the, and, the, and, and the tub. You didn't see the tub and the flowers. and the, I mean, oh, my goodness, you didn't see any of that. And they're just like, no, we were close. <laughs> but the stuff I'm talking about today, close doesn't cut it, okay? We can know about it. We can be close to it but you've got to get all up in it and plug in, and that's what I'm talking about today. So our world is really hurting. We know that. And our country is really hurting, and our city, even our city is really hurting right now, and we absolutely hurt with it. Did you hear that? We absolutely hurt with it. We hurt with it. Why? Because we're here with them. We're, even though it's not our home, even though it's a rental, we hurt too, but let me tell you, we're not supposed to process that hurt the same way. We're not supposed to, pro that's what you write down. We don't process the hurt the same way. That's, that's a good note right there. Obviously, I say that we're not supposed to because I think that a lot of people are. I think a lot of people process the hurt the exact same way that the world processes the hurt and they forget that God has provided a better way for us. And that is an absolute shame. Okay, I can't help but wonder if our Christian witness could even be more powerful if we would embrace this idea that yes, we live in it, live around it, but we don't process it the same way. We can't, right? The world's hurting, they're experiencing pain, they're in trouble, I mean, think about it. Racism, hatred, bad surprises, downsizing, uproars, and yet we process it differently and therefore we stand out. Therefore, we stand out. God makes us light in the dark place. We're salt in the tasteless and rotting places. We're being transformed after all, aren't we? When the scripture talks about transformation, do you think that's a little thing? 
No, that's a huge thing. It's an impossible thing. It's something so grand that we could never muster it up. God is transforming us. He's transforming us, and we're responding and hurting and responding to the hurt the same way the world is? How is that possible? We have been transformed. We don't respond the same way. Romans 12, 2 says, no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can test and approve God's perfect will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So that whenever hell breaks loose at your work, or hell breaks loose in our city, or hell breaks loose in our country, or we're faced with racism, we don't respond the same way because we've been transformed. Why? Our mind's been transformed. Why? So that we can know God's will, so that we can know God's truth, so they can respond differently in it once we're there. That's why we're different. It's not because we said a prayer and then hoped for the best. It's not because we walked to the aisle and just kind of then started trying harder. We're different. We're salt. We're light because we've been transformed. And you can't do that on your own. But I'm afraid way too often people have not walked in this. Like, I don't understand why you go through the same, I'm not saying everybody, but let's just be honest, in some area of your life, we've let it slip. You go through the same struggle, and you didn't walk in the infused grace and peace, and I think that's a shame, and I don't want that for us. He makes a difference in our lives. We think different. We're equipped different. And we get to be a part of God's answer to this world because we're different because we're more like him. Jesus came to be him in earth. He left, and then we're supposed to be him in this earth. And that's why that we can make a difference and we can change our neighborhoods and change our jobs and our schools and those closest to us and those around the world. We're supposed to be salt. We're supposed to be light. We're supposed to be different. And we can because God has done something in our lives. But too many times, Things get dark, things get messy, and for whatever reason, like, I guess we think that the Lord is being muted or something. I don't, I don't know, but, but it can't be the case. I mean, even think this week, this week, this last, this last Monday, the solar eclipse, the moon has crossed in front of the sun, and what are we talking about? The solar eclipse. Let's, let's spiritualize this for a second. Something has crossed in front of God in our culture, in our nation, in our family to block out God, to mute God. And what are we talking about? What shows up even stronger? Why are we leaving work to go out in the parking lot? To talk about the sun. It doesn't matter if you live in the global south, maybe Africa or South America or somewhere parts of Asia where the gospel is just, just blowing up. Because so many times we think so ethnocentrical that we think, oh, well, if, if, if things are the slide and things are getting worse here, it must be like that everywhere. It's not. So many places in the world. Go to Honduras with us next summer. So many places the gospel is just pushing forward just like it had in our, in our day, uh, in our country at a, different, at a different time. It's pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward, and God is making these amazing grounds in these areas. And it doesn't matter if you live in one of those areas or if you live in one of our areas or maybe a communist area or whatever where the, where the gospel is being restricted. I don't care. If it's, if it's Honduras, we look back and we see the bright lights in the sun and we say, wow, 
this is great. But if it's solar eclipse time and somebody's trying to block God out, we sit around and we still talk about God because he will not be muted, he will not be silenced, he will not be stopped. And in fact, I think there's a great opportunity when you do live in one of these areas, think Bonhoeffer back in the World War II times or something, but when you live in these areas and God is being muted, it gives us a greater opportunity because we have contrast all of a sudden. We are starkly different. We are salt. We are light. It's not a case of, oh, everybody believes God, everybody loves God. No, the gray is pushed to the side and it's black or it's white. It's moon or it's sun. It's maker. And I think it's an awesome opportunity to live in a spot like that. But if you don't see it that way, maybe you just sit around and you mope around and you, don't, you just don't walk in it. I want us to walk in it. Amen? Are you on your back looking up at the same night sky as everybody else, getting chilled to the bone, bitten by mosquitoes, soaked by the morning dew, or are you in your tent looking up through that thin mesh at that same night sky, protected from the elements, and able to share with others the better way because you're living the better way, because you're in the better way. Psalm 1-6 says, God knows the way of the righteous. We want to be, he says he has his eyes on the way of the righteous. Like, we want to be in his eyes. Like, we want to be in his view. He knows our way, and uh, that's exactly where I want us to be. Here's another way to ask the same thing. The world's a mess. Are you processing it just like everybody else? Are you hopeless just like everybody else? Are you fearful just like everybody else? Are you distressed just like everybody else? Or are you living in all that God has made available to you? If you're different, you're better off. And you can't take the credit for it. You know it's the Lord. You know it's just that thin mesh that's protecting you, and it's just it's the, totally the Lord, but you're different, and you're, uh, and you're better off. Watson looked up in the open sky and practically astronomically, remember how I give all these things, what do you see, Watson? Practically, astronomically, theologically, meteorologically, explained what he saw, and yet never once did he realize that he was without a tent. Until Sherlock Holmes pointed out to him by saying, Watson, you kind, thoughtful, helpful, friendly idiot. Someone has stolen our tent. So here it is clearly, I think that way too many Christians are not stepping into the places that have been prepared for them by a gracious and loving Father. And so what we get are Christians living outside the tent that is designed to make us different and fulfilled, which I think is partly how we partner with God to meet the needs of this world. So they're living outside of it and, um, and that's a shame. If we get this wrong, I know you're still saved because your salvation is based on how you handle Jesus. It's not whether or not you walk in that victory in all the ways that you possibly could or not. It's about how you handle Jesus. And if you've repented and you've handled Jesus well, your salvation in, in, is in store, it's in place. But I'm just saying your health and your effectiveness in ministry, is, it could be lacking if we're not stepping into these spots. Does that make sense? Okay. So has anybody stolen your tent? If so, let's recognize it, let's go find it, and let's get it back. Because it's your gift from God after all. And uh, you're not supposed to go through this world without it. I'll give you a few more examples of tents that we should step into because I really want you thinking practically on this, not just 
theoretically, and this illustration can kind of take over. So practically, when I ask you, did somebody steal your tent, I'm serious. Like, what about your peace tent? Philippians 4.7 says that there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Do you have that tent? Because if you don't, I'm telling you, Amber and I felt it just recently. We felt it. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Because if you don't, you've got to go find that tent and get back in it. Do you need direction? Proverbs 3, 4 through 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths, make your path straight. We can step into that kind of direction. Uh, do you need provision? The stuff of life, food, drink, electricity, rent, clothes. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all that stuff will be added. We can step into stuff like that. My point is God is obviously preparing places for us in heaven, but he's also preparing places here on earth. And that being the case, I want to close today with just a real quick look at Psalm 4, and then I want to open up the altars because I think the Lord is going to meet with us this morning. Does anybody want to meet with the Lord this morning? What I love about altar time is I don't know how to hype up an altar call. And nobody here really does. Everything's real genuine. I just don't know how to hype it up. And so I just love, uh, from time to time, we'll have an altar call and people respond. And, it's like, and I go away going, well, that's a testimony to the fact that God is speaking to people. Because there is nothing that I've conjured up or hyped up. I just can't, I just can't do it. I'm not, uh, just not interested. So we're going to open up these altars and we're going to meet with the Lord in a little bit. I told you earlier that our world is hurting and it's in a mess. I've especially noticed that our world is really good at manufacturing distress and fear. Have you noticed that lately? It just stirs it up. Hatred, racism, nuclear threat, financial instability, sexual dysfunction, gender confusion, any of these things you've seen in the news, worried about. Will our kids be safe? Will our parents be safe? Will our jobs be safe? Will Social Security be around when I need it? Will my loved ones be around when I need them? Will my tires make it through the end of the month? Will my groceries make it through the end of the week? Will the Zika virus affect me or someone I love? Will I fall into quicksand? I don't know. I just think the quicksand thing is funny. I said it in prayer the other day. There's this comedian that says, I really thought that by this time in life, quicksand would have played a larger part in my life. That's right. I haven't had a quicksand problem lately. But we do fear stuff, and there's just, just distress, and the world is really good at, uh, at conjuring it up. Will the solar eclipse trigger impending doom? Is the Illuminati YouTube video that I watched going to be the death of me? Are the Cowboys ever going to win another playoff game? I don't know. It's fearful. The world manufactures this stuff, but don't forget that God specializes and manufactures relief and distress. That's what we need to step into it. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's the stuff that God manufactures. Isaiah 59.19 says, When the enemy comes in like a flood, just picture that hurricane, those pictures you saw, the enemy's coming in with such force. What does God do? Puts up a standard against him. There are some things that the Lord just does automatically. You don't have to ask him to be your judge one day. He's going to be your judge. There's just some things that he just does automatically. And then there are other things that we have to just choose to walk in. We have to choose to plug into and to step into. And I'm afraid that way too many people are totally on autopilot. Way too many Christians are on autopilot. And we just think that because we love God and because we put our faith in God that we just get to just 
automatically step into some of these things. And I'm saying part of our responsibility, part of our expression of faith and trust is stepping into these things. It's not just staring at the steps and oohing and on and wanting that, it's stepping up the stairs and taking it and getting it. And it's not because you're that strong, it's because the Lord has prepared it. It's the Lord has made it available. But again, you can live your entire life without it, still saved, because you handled Jesus right. But not healthy, not effective, don't want that for us. We're different, we're provided for. There's consequences from knowing Jesus, and they're good consequences. So it'd be kind of like, to not step into these things would be kind of like having car insurance and paying car insurance for like 20 years, and then you finally have a wreck, and then you forget you have it. Like right when you need it the most, right when it's supposed to meet the need and pay off, you don't know you have it, you just write a check and you pay for it. That's craziness. And yet a lot of people, a lot of Christians, live that way. And this is not an indictment on you. I mean, the fact is we're like, probably doing pretty well. But in some area of our life, who cares if it's 12 times better than the other church? Do we want to walk in his fullness and his wholeness or do we want to walk in something less? I think I'd like to walk in his, in his wholeness. All right, Psalms 4, and then we're done. We're going to look through this. There's eight verses, but we're going to do four. Just real quick, I want you to see the word. I want the word to go through you, and then I want us to apply it. So first, uh, first verse, answer me when I call to you, O my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Be merciful to me and hear my prayer. Relief from my distress. If you're in distress, realize that the Lord hears you, he will answer you, and he will give relief for your distress. That's a promise, that's a provision. We gotta step into it, we gotta ask for it. Verse three, know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call to him. He set you apart, that's fantastic. He's, he's good at setting things apart. We've talked about that before. Sheep, goats, good fish, bad fish, wheat, tares, darkness and light and salt and unsalty and just all throughout the good, evil, righteous, unrighteous. He's good at that. And he says, he sets you apart. That's a promise. He sets you apart and, uh, and he hears you when you call him. Verse seven, you have filled my heart with greater joy. Today at this altar, some of you are just gonna come, simply come and say, you know what, God? I don't, think, I, I, I don't think when I read that greater joy part, I don't think that that's applying to me right now. I think you say you filled our heart with greater joy, but I kinda feel my fear is greater than my joy right now. I kind of I, I kind of feel like I'm out of balance. I want to remind you that the Lord says I, He will fill your heart with greater joy. Greater than what? Greater than what? Greater than whatever the lesser thing that we've held on to and we're worried about. Greater than fear. Greater than distress. Greater than than joylessness. Whatever. Verse eight. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Some of you guys at the altar today, you're going to find sleep. You're going to find rest. I love how he says, I'm going to make you sleep. <laughs> You're going to have to choose to come to the altar, and then he's going to make you sleep. Because once you find that, he says, I know what's best for you. I'm going to make you sleep. I'm remembering Psalm 23. It says, and I'll make you lie down in green pastures. I mean, the shepherd talking to his sheep, I'll make you lie down in green pastures. Why? Because you, you dumb sheep will just run yourself ragged. I'm speaking to myself, okay? Just run and run and run and run and run and run. And God's like, hey, look, I'm a shepherd. I know sheep. 
you're not smart enough, Josh, to know this, but you need to rest. I'm going to make you rest. And I try to get up and go, puts his hand on me. Some of you are going to find rest and find sleep and be reminded of all these, these things this morning. So, lot's going to happen here this morning. And it's, it's not going to be my doing. It's going to be the Lord. Um, so when God prepares a place for us here on earth, it is temporary. But we need to live in it. We can give all the explanations in the world of why we're not living in it. Practical, astronomical, theological, meteorological, emotional, excuses, excuses, excuses. But the fact is, we are exposed to the elements when outside the tent. He's provided for our safety, and if we're not benefiting from what God has provided, then we're outside of his will. That's, that's, that's harder talk. We're outside of his will because clearly he wills good things for us, and if we don't step into these things, we're outside of his will. I don't want to be outside of his will. You don't want to be outside of his will. So to live outside of his will is a shame, and I'm not saying bad things will never happen to us. I'm just saying, I mean, we obviously know Romans 8, 28, that the Lord will even use bad things to make good. What I am saying is that in good and in bad things, he is your provision. He is our provision, and that's undeniably a good thing, and he has good things for us today. God really, 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 really loves you. Do you know that? I mean, like, he doesn't just like you. He loves you. And he doesn't just love you because he has to. He likes you. Okay, what kind of works both ways? God really, really, really loves you. And it would be a real joy uh, to just get to witness and to hear about God loving us this morning. So these altars are going to open in just a second. Um, I want you to step into them. And as you do it, this really tangible step, it's not like magic. It's just an expression of your faith to step into the altar as if to say, you know what, I'm going to step into that peace. I'm going to step into that joy. I'm going to step into that whatever that I've obviously lived outside the tent. Someone's obviously taken that, and I want to step into that. And I really believe that the Lord is going to meet you. I'm telling you, this last month, after this whole dog incident, we have just walked in peace. And it's been wonderful for Amber and I both. And uh, that's what's triggered this, this whole idea uh, this morning is just this peace that was provided, and it's great, and I want similar things for all of us. Trust me, you don't get a, like a bonus points for carrying all this stuff here on earth. He's provided a place for you. We need to step into it. Do you remember when you were a little kid, the thunder clapped and the lightning, lightning, <laughs> I don't know what word that is, flash, thank you. The lightning flashed and the thunder clapped and the rain's pounding on your window and you got scared and you jumped out of bed and you ran down the hall and you like made the corner and then you made it into your mom's room and you jumped in their bed and they held you. Do you remember that? And do you remember how that made you feel and how like at peace that was? It's amazing how that's kind of what we see with the Lord and what we feel with the Lord. We come to him in our turmoil and our fear and all these things and he holds us. He meets us, he provides for us, and the storm is still raging, and yet we just totally process it differently. It's just not even the same storm anymore. Greater joy has come in, peace has come in when it was fear and it was distress. So, real simple, ma'am, sir, has someone stolen your joy? 
your sense of worth, your sense of purpose? Has someone stolen your, your peace? Are you angry and not coping very well? Are you sad and not handling it very well? Are you worried and you haven't overcome? First of all, I'm, I'm sorry, genuinely, because that's no fun to live there. But second, I think God would say to you today, meet me in the places that I prepared for your benefit. I'm already there. I'm already there waiting. But the fact that you haven't stepped in and plugged in, you haven't just missed out on it, you've missed out on me. That's what I've provided for you. And this thing that has been your thing, this problem, is actually supposed to drive you to me. So meet me in this place. I'm already there. So with that in mind, the altar is open. Brent, would you please come? Um, The Lord loves you. He really does have a place prepared for you in heaven, but he has a place prepared for you here on earth too. And to believe in the one and not the other may get you into heaven, but I'm telling you, it's wonderful to walk in it here. And this is not something I've mastered. (laughs) The reason it's on my mind is because I've had to do it and choose it recently. But this is something I want to continue to do again and again and again. We talked about mansions being built in glory. Love it. But I also want to live in the place that's been built for me here in Haltom. And then I'll step into that one later. So let's pray. So Lord, in fact, let's go ahead and stand up. If I put anybody to sleep, Lord, would you wake them up? So, Lord, just like we did at the beginning, we posture ourselves and we just open up our hearts, open up our minds, open up our emotions, and we just say, you, you look at me. You know me better than anybody else. You look at me. Has somebody stolen my tent? Have I been trying to process? And am I processing just like everybody else? Or is there that thin layer of mesh between me and the elements? that means so, so, so much. I don't want to be an idiot. (laughs) I want to walk in what you provided for me. And so Lord, these altars are open, but I even see it as like your arms are extended and open, and you're calling to your daughters and your sons, and even those who are your daughters and sons by creation, but they haven't even stepped into the reality of your daughter and son by adoption yet. They haven't even been saved, they were created but they haven't been saved. I pray that these altars would represent your arms wide open, and I pray that as people step into them, even right now, if you'd like to come, come to the altar. I'm not gonna hype it up. I don't don't count to seven or anything. The altar's open. I ask, Lord, that in this simplistic expression of faith, that you would so meet them in a way like you did me this last month, like you did all of us whenever we were scared as little kids and we ran into the father or the mother or the grandmother's arms and we literally felt the stuff of this world, the fear, the anxiety, the distress just melt, just melt away because that is not your way. Your way is peace and it's relief and there's a lot of people in here that need relief. 
Lord, we just ask that you would meet us. We thank you.